Welcome to a new episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh, and I am joined by my friend and co-host Alex. We are coming to you after about a week since our last episode, and we got a lot for you. Uh, but first, I'm just going to send it to Alex and ask, how are you doing, my friend, here on this Monday night recording, late night recording, by the way? I'm doing well. Um, you know, we had a good interview a little bit earlier in the day with Trevor Sycamore from PFF. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Had a really nice chat with him um, and really enjoyed that and got a few new signings. Uh, it's NFL owners meeting week. Uh, so we got some nice, funny photos from that of the coaches and GMs, which is always good for meme purposes. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a good start to the week. It's obviously only one day into it now, but hopefully this episode brings you a nice start to Tuesday, the second day of the week. All right. So here's the deal. We got good news and we got bad news. Um, I believe that everyone is a good is a bad news person to start with. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and the bad news uh, when it comes to this episode, as you could tell from the title of the description, you might have completely forgot or maybe it's your first time listening. You have no recollection. I'll tell you right now. The plan for today's episode was to rank our top interior offensive linemen as well as have this interview with PFF's Trevor Sikama. So the bad news is we are not going to have that interior offensive line ranking. We're going to save it for next episode. Why? Because the interview plus the signings that the Giants made last week is going to take up most of our time here today that we do not want you to be uh, sitting here and listening to a two-hour episode of the Giant Take Podcast, as much as I'm sure all of you listeners would love to do that. We're not going to bore you to death with that today. Uh, but we will have our interior offensive line rankings by next episode. The good news is we do have an interview, and it is with PFS Trevor Sikama. He was nice enough to join us again for his, uh, I guess, maybe now we can we can kind of say annual appearance during uh, the draft season. He came on last year. Uh, now he came on again this year, and I'm sure we're hoping to have him on again next year. If not, maybe after the draft, we'll see. Uh, but very fun talk with him. And again, second uh, throw to that coming up later in the episode. But we got a lot to talk about, so let's just go right into it here uh, with the Giants signings. The first one being Bobby McCain, defensive back, former Dolphin and commander to a one-year deal. There's no info I have on that contract just yet. A 29-year-old who played all 17 of the uh, who played in all 17 games last year, 16 starts in the last two years with the Commanders. McCain played 93% of the defensive snaps in Washington the past two years. I just said that, or I I said he was in Washington the past two years. I didn't say the percentage, just said now though. Uh, he can play deep safety or line up as a nickelback, and in 121 NFL games, 87 of those he started. He has 11 interceptions. Uh, I guess I'm going to keep going here to the next thing. Uh, before we get to the next signing, I'm kind of going through stuff in order of days. The Giants coaching staff and front office ended up going to the Ohio State's, uh, or the Ohio State University Pro Day. They actually had dinner with wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba, so keep an eye out for his name come draft time. And another wide receiver coming up in this year's NFL draft that the Giants had a dinner with was Boston College's Zay Flowers. That was last week before BC's Pro Day. So, uh, two days last week, two uh, meetings or dinners with Giants, maybe future wide receivers. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Alex, I'll send it to you for the next guy, the Giants. Yeah, the Giants uh, ended up signing another w uh, wide receiver, a veteran receiver 
um, in Jamison Crowder to a one-year uh, VSB or veteran salary benefit deal. He's 29 years old. Uh, it comes out to $1.2 million, 27500 of it guaranteed, uh, and there is 100000 per game roster bonus. Um, so Jones and Crowder, obviously both uh, Duke alum, uh, began working out and training together back uh, in the 2019 offseason and continued uh, to the present day. Um, he's not just a great wide receiver in the slot. He also is productive on special teams, punt returner, kick returner, etc. Uh, he signed with the Bills in the 2022 offseason, but suffered a season-ending ankle injury in week four. Uh, and he was with the Jets before that, uh, where he was you know, most known and had really productive seasons uh, with the Jets at that. Um, so I'm excited to bring him in. Uh, I think he's going to bring a nice uh, depth to this slot wide receiver room, give more experience uh, in the wide receiving room as well, especially if we do end up drafting a rookie like Zay Flowers or Smith and Jigba, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, you know, flexibility on special teams is positive. And overall, I think the relationship with Crowder and Jones, oh, you know, you just need depth at this wide receiver, uh, at the wide receiver position, especially when a lot of these guys are so injury prone. Uh, and I think, you know, Crowder, he brings, he brings versatility, he brings um, experience, and that's really all you need. And there's just no downside to this deal. Um, going back to McCain, I thought McCain was an interesting signing considering the safeties on the market. A guy who, yes, has played a lot of safety, but more recently for the commanders has played a lot of slot uh, or a lot of nickel uh, for the commanders uh, this past season, a majority uh, in the slot. And I kind of think that's kind of, you know, interesting. Is that mean, you know, we saw Julian Love play a little bit in the slot for the Giants uh, last season, but nowhere near the percentage that we saw McCain uh, play there with the commanders uh, this past season. So I think that's certainly going to be interesting. Where is he going to line up? How is he going to fit in with Xavier McKinney? How is he going to work with Dane Belton? Is he going to get more snaps? Is Pinnock going to get more snaps? Are they going to possibly draft a safety? I think this is a nice move that gives you flexibility because you don't have to draft a safety super early on, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do draft another safety um, you know, later on in, on day three, for example, or uh, at least try to fit Dane Belton and Pinnock in uh, much more. And then I'll go back to uh, Zay Flowers and uh, Smith and Jigba. Giants have shown a lot of interest in the wide receiving position. Uh, Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers almost back-to-back nights, if not back-to-back nights, uh, really close to each other, uh, going out with these high-profile receivers. I think uh, Smith and Jigba has the highest upside in terms of what we saw he could do at Ohio State uh, before the injury. Obviously, he didn't really do much this past season. Um, and then Zay Flowers, that you know, huge separator, just uh, you know, a lot of speed, quickness, uh, but obviously very, very small and probably not able to play on the outside. But then again, who knows? It's not always about height. Uh, we talk a little bit about these guys in the interview, so stay tuned. I'm not going to you know, talk all about these wide receivers right now. I want to hear more about them in a second. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll let Josh uh, move on to the next signing. Yeah, so the next signing for the New York Giants uh, was cornerback. So they address <clears throat> the uh, defense once again here. Amani Owarie, a one-year deal for him, $1.1 million salary and $52,500 bonus, 27 years old. He also has a $75,000 roster bonus too, uh, and obviously meaning if he makes the 53-man roster, I do believe that means he gets that bonus. He was actually teammates with Saquon Barkley at Penn State in college. 
one negative that I have with him, or well, there's a couple. Okay, so obviously it's a one year deal. It's a it's a low, uh, I guess a high reward, another high reward type of deal with the New York Giants. It's kind of like Darren Waller, right? Low risk, high reward. We're not signing him to a lot of money. Played very well in the 2021 season. Was actually uh, CB one of the Detroit Lions for a little bit of time. However, that regression came quick and, I mean, quick and fast, same word. Uh, It came this season and it came fast as he went from CB1 in the beginning of the year to CB2 to the bench by the end of the season for the Detroit Lions. You look back at that 2021 season, he had six interceptions and 11 pass deflections. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. A significant drop-off for a guy who's actually paid a lot of money to be with the Lions. I don't remember the exact contract details, but I remember looking and compared to this one year, like one point, uh, what is it? One point, one million dollar deal with the Giants. It's nothing compared to what he was getting paid in Detroit, Alex. If you want to go check that out, what the, the contract was. Uh, a negative with him is the penalties. He was penalized seven times in the year 2020 eight times in the 2021 season, and then 10 times this past season. Those 10 penalties uh, this past year were tied for most among quarterbacks, cornerbacks, uh, which basically led or was one of the many reasons besides the poor coverage that led to him being benched um, on this Lions defense. And so we're going to have to see how Oruarie plays. If he even makes the team, I assume he will. Uh, but I like the signing from the Giants because if we can see what he, what we saw in that 2021 year where he was able to become the CB1 of the team for the Lions, that would obviously be really great for someone across the way from Adoree Jackson. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm very, I was fascinated by this deal when it came out. I was a little bit surprised, but definitely happy surprise. Uh, he had a really tough season in 2022, like you mentioned, Josh, but 2021, he was you know being talked about as a top 10 corner in the NFL. Um, he's got great size. I believe he's, what, 6'2". You know, overall, he's got great arm length as well. Um, you know, really good, solid man, you know, press corner. And he, for some reason, just had a terrible regression uh, last season. One of the worst that we've seen in a long time, to be honest. Um, it was pretty stunning. Uh, there was, uh, I was reading up a little bit about this, Josh. Uh, there was a situation with the DB's coach on the Lions. I believe he was fired uh, this past season. So, there was some sort of issue midway through the season where he was let go. Could that have been something to do with Oruarie's struggles this past season? I don't know, uh, but it was certainly an odd situation with that Lions DB room. Obviously, they drafted Jeff Okuda a few years ago, uh, number three overall. He really hasn't panned out to what they expected him to be, considering how highly thought of he was coming out of Ohio State. So, you know, they certainly had an interesting ride with corners, recently traded Darius Slay. And Amani Oruwariye has been there for a little bit. And overall, he's had pretty solid play. Uh, it really had a breakout year in 2021 before kind of slumping back uh, in 2022. So I'm, I'm certainly interested to see what he can bring to this team, what Wink will do with him, and which, which Oruwariye are we going to see, uh, 2021 or 2022, hopefully 2021. Um, and I do think he's going to make the roster. You see, what is it, oh, just over 125000 in guarantees can't imagine they let that, uh, you know, go uh, by cutting him before the season starts. I'm going to guess he makes the 53. I was a little bit surprised considering a lot of the corners on the market. You still got Marcus Peters, you got William Jackson, you got Shaquille Griffin, Ronald Darby, uh, Anthony Brown. I know I'm just like listing a ton. Eli Apple, not that they ever bring him in. 
Rocky Sin, Trey Flowers. There's a lot of cornerbacks on the market right now. Um, so I was kind of interested that he was the one chosen, uh, to be completely honest. But I'm not I'm not against it. Um, and I think if you can supplement him with another corner in the draft, maybe it doesn't have to be first round, but you know, definitely day two. I think that would be a, a solid situation, a big upgrade over last season. And I wouldn't be surprised if they brought back Fabian Moreau um, also, who, you know, impressed a lot last season uh, and still has not gotten signed. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised with that either. And uh, Josh, I'll send it up to you uh, for another signing since I've been talking for a while. All right, let's go to uh, Tommy Sweeney, tight end for the New York Giants. No info on this contract yet either. Sweeney appeared in 24 games. Four of them he started over four years in Buffalo. Uh, he got 18 catches for 165 yards, one touchdown in that span. He's signed as a blocking tight end, uh, mainly, and used for depth on the team. I think it's going to be a, a debate between him and Myrick, maybe, uh, for a roster spot on this team. But I think just another depth piece. The Giants are trying to get up to the 90-man roster uh, that they can go into the summer with and go into training camp with. So just stacking on those bodies, I think, out of all the signings here, the least important, uh, the most important, I think, being McCain. I think he's going to be in not an every, yeah, I think you could say an everyday starter for this Giants team on defense. And then if you want to really rank them by when they were signed, because they were signed in like hour spans of each other, uh, you want to say McCain is up there at like number one. And then you got probably Crowder at two. And then I think the way we, we I said them is probably right. I think McCain at one, Crowder at two. Uh, or- or- I would put Oruaria above Crowder personally. At, at the current, right, it's tough to do it, right? We haven't had the draft, and we still have a lot of free agents probably left to come in, so it's tough right now. But I was true, probably but say... I mean, where, what, what? Um, oh my gosh, what am I saying? If we're making a depth chart right now, where does Oruaria? I mean, he's CB two. Or... Who else is going to play there right now? We don't have any outside boundary corners right now. I mean, maybe Cordell Flop, but he's more of a slot guy. Once again, Darnay Holmes is a pure slot guy. You got Adoree Jackson. We didn't re-sign Fabian Moreau quite yet. Uh, maybe he possibly comes back, but he's he's the CB2 currently. But Bobby I mean, obviously, McCain. then it's like, do we have McCain play at quarterback? Well, no, he can't play outside. That's the problem. Yeah, he's, he's, like a, he's a nickel you know, nickel only. So right now, Oruarie is your second and only uh, option there at CB2. So I would put him... Probably number one, almost uh, him and Bobby McCain up top, and then um, you know Crowder, and then probably Sweeney. What I would say about Sweeney is the Giants, I think, are going to go with a bigger tight end room this season because you look how they're going to probably play with two tight end sets a lot with Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger, um, and that means you're going to just need more tight ends on the roster in case any of those guys go down with injuries, um, you know, for rotation purposes as well. So uh, you kind of got now. Uh, Waller, Bellinger, uh, Lawrence Cager, who was re-signed. You've got Myrick, uh, and now you've got Tommy Sweeney. So that's a nice tight end room. I'd expect them to probably go with four tight ends. Um, so my guess would be that Myrick doesn't make the roster and Sweeney does. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly a interesting uh, situation here for the Giants uh, at the tight end room, which was pretty one of the weaker tight end rooms in the league last year, uh, and now is looking like one of the strongest uh, in the NFL. So that's that's one room that's kind of been flipped upside the head here uh, for the Giants this offseason. And then the one final piece of news that we have here where every single episode I want to talk about this guy less and less, and yet he still comes up in our outline. And it's Odell Beckham. 
John Morris says that the Giants haven't closed the door yet on signing Odell Beckham. Why? I mean, I guess you could say for any player, you always want to keep the door slightly open. Uh, you never want to shut fully down to the press if you're signing a guy or trading for a guy, etc. But it's just like, why? <laughs> that that's. But anyway, so John Morris says that the Giants haven't closed the door on Odell Beckham, and he says he's in favor of signing him back if Joe Shane and Brian Dable can make him work. John Mara, you were the owner when Odell Beckham was such a locker room havoc-causing player, knocking down kicking nets into his own face, pissing like a dog as a touchdown celebration. You witnessed these moments, and I know you were watching the games because you are, you, it's between you and Tish, right? You are the one who is the, the face of this team as the owner. Tish comes in from time to time to speak. So, Mara, I know you were either at the game or you were watching the game. Whatever it was, you know exactly the antics that Odell Beckham is up to. So, come on. Why bring him back? What I'm really frustrated about is why Mara is constantly talking. Uh, I thought we got to the point here this past season where Mara was, you know, not talking. uh, And that was mostly for the best. And, uh, of course, obviously, at the owner's meeting, it's tough to not talk. I understand that. But he could have, uh, you know, said, you you know, refer that, you know, refer me, you know, refer the answer to uh, Joe Shane when he came like a couple minutes later uh, to answer questions. He could have said, you know, you got to talk to Joe about that or something instead of kind of giving his own opinion on it, which very may very well may be the same opinion as Joe Shane, but it's just not his place. And uh, I mean. It's not surprising. It's not as bad as things he's done in the past in terms of speaking to the media and, uh, you know, getting his hands too dirty uh, with Giants, you know, day-to-day operations and off-season plans. But, uh, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, the owner's conference or the owner's meeting, it's always a, a big, crazy place. And I guess to end it off here, the intro, did you see Brian Dable with the huge... Uh, sunburn all over his head and also um, had aviators on and apparently was having beer at 11.30 a.m. on a Monday. I, I did not see all of that, Alex. I saw the picture with him and all of the coaches. Uh, I, I like the wardrobe. Very cool. Uh, but besides that, no, I did I did not know all that specific information, so I'm glad you're gathering that from the scene, I'm sure, in uh, Florida or wherever they're hosting these meetings. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying at the hotel next door. I have binoculars I'm looking in. All right, so since we didn't do it uh, at the end of the interview, I'm going to do our plug section now real quick, so just hold on tight for a couple uh, minutes here. You can subscribe to the Giant Take Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Um, You can rate us five stars on those platforms as well. Find more platforms to listen at chipstudios.com slash giant take. Social media, okay. Twitter and TikTok, the Giant Take Pod. Instagram and Facebook, the Giant Take Podcast. Alex on Twitter, at annoying 23 I'm on Twitter at Joshua29. All the info I just talked about will be in the podcast notes. Before we leave you, I just want to let you know that there's like a quick reference, I think, of uh, the interior offensive line talk. We recorded this interview earlier today on Monday before we made the executive decision uh, that we had kind of too much info to to fit in the interior offensive line talk. So just kind of ignore that. Uh, We still get into some interior offensive linemen. So I guess this is a little preview. Uh, to what we got cooking up with our rankings of that. Uh, but I just wanted to address that, Alex. Any other like pre-things that uh, 
predate something or that that are that it's old news that we talked about in the interview? No, right? I think everything else is. I don't think so. Very we get timely. paid. We get paid the big bucks to make these big decisions about you know when the interior offensive line previews are coming out. So hopefully it was a good decision. But yeah, um, <laughs> all jokes aside, we do we do like slight, I slightly I think mention it in the interview, uh, but it, it was not this episode as you now know. So anyway, enjoy the interview with PFF's Trevor Sycamore. All right, we now welcome on NFL and NFL Draft writer and content creator for PFF, also the co-host of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, the now two-time guest on the Giant Take podcast, Trevor Sikama. Trevor, thank you so much for coming back on to uh, take our questions once again about the NFL Draft. Uh, you were able to go through the hassle last time, so I appreciate you uh, coming back and making your return on the podcast. No, I appreciate you guys having me back on. This is a lot of fun last year, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun now. So I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to really dig into this. Yeah, obviously, last year when we talked about this, the you know the Giants had picks five and seven in last year's draft. This year, they did a little bit better in the season. Obviously, <laughs> made the playoffs. Uh, you know, to our delight, obviously. Um, and now they have picked 25, uh, 10 picks in total throughout the draft. And uh, they obviously just recently traded one of their picks, their pick 100 that they got from the Chiefs for Kadarius Tony for Darren Waller. So that kind of shakes things up in terms of looking at the draft board and, you know, what positions are going to be, you know, filled at what spots. Um, and that certainly shakes things up at what as well. But I mean, getting right into it, wide receiver is obviously the big thing that every Giants fan wants, that everyone's talking about the Giants need. Obviously, we have a whole bunch of receivers. We brought in, you know, Paris Campbell. We just signed Jamison Crowder, brought back Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. Uh, obviously, Isaiah Hodgins is here. But Giants fans, including myself, are looking for that number one guy for Daniel Jones. Um, you know, Darren Waller's kind of a nice uh, piece to have on the side. Obviously, he can kind of act as a number one, but he is obviously a tight end. What do you think about this wide receiver class? You know, it's complicated because at pick 25, there might not be the cream of the crop left uh, at the right at, at the wide receiver position, and then you wait till pick fifty-seven in the second round, or even pick eighty-nine in the third round, and then you're kind of uh, you know hitting you know taking a chance on some guys who probably do not have that wide receiver one upside. Yeah, and when it comes to wide receiver, obviously this is something that a lot of people look at with the Giants, but. For the type of wide receiver that they want, that high caliber wide receiver one type of player, they normally don't make it to 25, even if one of them exists in this class. Because I think there's a lot of wide receivers that you could like. Jack Smith and Jigba, really productive a couple of years ago before the injury riddle season this past year, had over 1,600 receiving yards, that monster Rose Bowl game that everybody remembers. He's, he's probably just a slot only guy. I'm not sure she, he has the vertical speed to be able to get up the sideline consistently threaten that way and uh and be an outside receiver so I think that his skill set and just what he has with athleticism makes him a slot only guy but still could be really productive I think that Zay Flowers is a smaller wide receiver but a guy who brings a lot of athleticism into the position can play a lot of different uh spots along the line of scrimmage both on the line of scrimmage and off the line of scrimmage Quinn Johnston he gives you the size you know six foot four 210 215 pounds he gives you good athleticism after the catch. Uh, he good, gives you that above-the-rim ability, but he wasn't nearly as productive as you would think a, a NFL wide receiver one would have been while he was at TCU. Jordan Addison, beautiful route runner, former Belenikoff winner, but just a little bit smaller in size. So, like, I rattle off all those names to say there's good wide receivers in this class. 
is there the wide receiver that's going to make the difference in this Giants wide receiver room? I'm not sure because, you know, you look at who they have and you mentioned Darren Waller. I think that that's a huge addition for them. I think that that really helps out. And even though he is a tight end, that's definitely something who that, that factors into the equation. But Wondell Robinson, Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodges, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, even Jamison Crowder, right? Like those are six solid wide receivers. If you're going to pick a wide receiver at 25, he has to be better than that. Like it has to be a difference making type of receiver. I think the only one that really makes sense in my mind for New York is Quinn Johnson. If you believe Quinn Johnson has that size, speed, strength combination, whose best football or production wise certainly is still ahead of him. It's going to be in the NFL. He's the one guy that I look at to say, if the Giants are going to take one in round one, he's probably the only one that I would seriously consider because of those reasons. Yeah, you know, that was what I was thinking initially as well when looking at this wide receiving class. But I almost feel like after hearing what Joe Shane and Brian Dable have kind of emphasized when talking about wide receivers, that they really want separators. They want guys who aren't just, you know, contested catch guys. Not necessarily that Johnston is just a contested catch guy, but someone who could, you know, really elite, has elite separation. Someone maybe like Zay Flowers, uh, maybe Jordan Addison, even though I don't think he's as good as that. Um, as you know, Zay Flowers. I think that's where the Giants would end up going to a lot of people's surprise. At least that's just kind of how I look at it. They've done a lot of work on those guys on the wide receiving, on those round one wide receivers. And some people may say, oh, that means they're going to take one or they were just trying to do their due diligence. And maybe they think, okay, none of these guys are up to par. What do you think in terms of like, who is the best separator um, out of these guys in round one or, you know, even going a little bit deeper into the draft? Well, I think, you know, Tank Dell certainly goes into this, but he's a lot smaller. The reason why the the incredible Houston wide receiver is a separating master is because of the body control he has, and he has the body control because he's, you know, five foot eight, 160 pounds. So he's able to start and stop better than almost any wide receiver in this class. But, you know, he's up there when he starts to talk about separation ability. I think the route running savviness of Jordan Addison allows him to be at the top of the list with separation. Jackson Smith and Jigba showed at the combine his elite um, change direction and agility drills when it came to the three cone and the short shuttle shows that he really knows how to stop on a dime and create that separation for you. But I do agree that I, I think I would lean towards Zay Flowers because I think that Zay gives you the ability to separate both with quickness and with long speed. I, I do think that he does have the long speed to consistently threaten vertically. Is he the fastest guy in this class? No, I wouldn't say that. But he does give you that all-around ability to be a good separator. Now, I will say this. Every team in the NFL wants good separating wide receivers, right? I mean, like, it, it's just that 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 is the part of the position that makes it easy for quarterbacks. When you have a bigger throwing window, it's a lot less pressure. They can be a lot more confident when they're delivering you the ball. Um, and obviously, you just put a lot more stress on the defense. So where, sure, Joe Shane is definitely going to emphasize separation, and he would be smart to do so, that's kind of what every team is going to go for. So it's, it's I don't know if it's as much of like, oh, we're we're honing in on Zay Flowers for that reason. It could be a reason why they end up selecting a guy like that if they end up doing it. But I don't think it's this, we got to get this kind of a guy no matter what from our wide receiver room. So that that's kind of my overview of all that. Alex, do you have something in response to that? No? No, I'll let you go. Go ahead. All right, yeah. So I just, I before 
I wanted to make sure you were you were concrete with your wide receiver discussion because I want to transition now to a different position now uh, with center because this episode actually, I guess, what our listeners just heard was uh, we actually ranked the top interior offensive linemen. We're, we're going through kind of each week and we're ranking a, a separate position of need for the Giants. So we've done wide receivers. We've done cornerbacks. Is that it, Alex? We did, I think, we might, linebackers. Maybe. Linebackers, too. Linebackers. Okay, so we did those three. Before, before they signed Bobby Okereke, so that kind of ruined that. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. Hey, Jack Campbell, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. But now when it comes to uh, centers I want to talk to you about, because we actually also did a, a New York Giant. Our last episode was a New York Giant seven-round mock draft, and uh, Alex had, luckily, uh, when he did it, had John Michael Schmitz falling to him at 57. Um, so I want to talk to you about kind of your ranking of the centers. I know we got John Michael Schmitz is probably in there. I'm sure Luke Weipler, maybe Joe Tipperman, and uh, was Steve Avia too from TCU. Mm -hmm. Kind of where do you rank those guys on your list? Yes, well, I don't, I don't think Michael Schmitz is going to make it to 57. I think Agreed. that. Uh, well, I, I, you know, if he does, obviously I think they got to jump all over him. Uh, he's just. John Michael Schmitz gives you really good size and strength in the center position. He's he's a bigger type of center, and I don't think they, I don't think there's a lot of centers that come through the draft that that have the size that he and Joe Tipman, honestly, from Wisconsin, have. It's a bigger center class, and any offensive lines who are trying to get better on the interior, who especially might need a center, I think are going to be really in on this class, and and that's why I ultimately don't think that Michael Schmitz is going to make it to 57, just because you don't really get this very often. A lot of centers are. The smaller guys, right? They've got to get lower in the stance. They're trying to get the leverage. They got to be quick to snap the ball and get back into their stance. And um, of course, centers are sometimes guys who could be pullers and move as well. So I think that you often just get smaller centers by nature of what they're asked to do. But when you get players like John Michael Schmidt specifically, who had a fantastic senior bowl, showed that he could go up against guys one on one, really knew how to stand his own, whether it was against speed or power. Or the, another athletic bigger center like Joe Timmon from Wisconsin, those guys just don't, they don't last very long. And I do think that the Creed Humphrey effect where the NFL just let Creed Humphrey slide and slide and slide until the Kansas City Chiefs got on the board at the back end of the second round and they were like, okay, if you let this good football player fall to us, I guess we're going to draft him. And, and they undervalued the center position to a fault. And now we see what Creed Humphrey is able to do with the Chiefs on their interior. So I think that center investments and interior offensive line investments, you know, they often get overlooked. People think that they're low value, low return on investment, but I don't think that's the case, especially when you get a good one. So those are two guys, you know, Luke Weipler as well. I think that he's in that list as another center that you got to keep your eye on. I don't know if Avila is going to play center at the next level. I feel like he's a guard. Like I, I feel like his home's a guard. He's more of a power player in that regard. Um, trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody. Jared Patterson from Notre Dame, I think he's got a lot of experience, but he's got some versatility too. He can play inside and out. Honestly, those, th those three... Oh, the Michigan uh, guy. Um, Olobatami. Uh, Olobatimi. He, I, I think that he also played really well at the Senior Bowl. I think that he had a good showing, and I think that he could be another center who's drafted decently high. Honestly, with Olobatimi, with Weipler, with Titman, with John Michael Schmitz, I bet we see four centers go at least in the first four rounds, but I I think I'd be more confident to say the first three rounds, which we don't often, that, that's not often the case, but I think these guys are that well-liked. Yeah, I mean, you always, there's all these NFL teams that want good offensive linemen to protect their quarterback, right? If they if they want, you know, you look like a guy with Joe Burrow and the Bengals being able to rebuild that offensive line. These teams want to make it deep in the playoffs. They want to win Super Bowls. And the same thing 
with uh, the New York Giants, since they're locking up Daniel Jones for that amount of years, yep. four years, yep. you're going to want protection for Jones to get the ball out of his hands to hopefully weapons like Darren Waller. I wanted to actually ask you about Avila a little bit uh, when doing my research on him. In the national championship, I did actually think he he played at guard, right? At more than yes. center, yeah. So, I mean, that definitely makes sense if the majority of his final co- uh, year in, in college he played guard. I could definitely see him more as a guard than at a center. Do you remember specifically when his center snaps were, like the majority of them? Ooh, let me check. I can actually check right now for you. It's going to take me a second. TCU, let's see. Offensive line this past year. PFF has, the the organization of the data that they have is unbelievable. So um, Avila played over a thousand snaps at left guard this year and he only played seven snaps at center so he was he was he was he was basically guard exclusive this yeah. past season okay i was gonna say so his center snaps probably came in obviously younger years maybe when he was an underclassman yeah i can i can see that for you in a second too hold <laughs> on player pivot. hey if you have, if you have a pff content creator with you you have to you know you have to take advantage of it right so so yes he did he he split his time between center and i believe it was left guard still in 2021 okay. did the same in 2020 so he played 382 snaps at center in 2020, 696 in 2021, and then he played almost exclusively at uh, at left guard um, this past season. Okay, perfect. That's what I have there you to go. know. Thank you. There you go. No and problem. With this, and with this surplus of your of you know centers here, I think the Giants would be better off waiting to pick 57 in round two, where you can probably get a really really good. You know, maybe it's not John Michael Schmitz, but one of the other guys we just discussed. Um, and you get good value there. Obviously, the Giants have no centers on their roster currently, so that's a big position to need. You've got some guys, you know, you've got some developmental guards. Uh, they drafted Azudu last year. You know, hopefully he can take a step up from North Carolina. We had McKeithen. Uh, he tore his ACL in preseason. So there are some options at guard, but it seems like at center, obviously you could always sign a veteran center in free agency. Uh, there are quite a few still available, but I think, you, you see the impact that some of these great centers have, right? Jason Kelsey for the Eagles is the first one that comes to mind. I think if you can get one of these guys um, who can really be that leader of this offensive line next to Andrew Thomas and hopefully Evan Neal, because I think he's the most important person for the Giants this offseason, is that he can hopefully progress. Um, and then you kind of have uh, three main guys on the offensive line, and that's what I think is going to be the most important for them. And going to the other side of the ball, the defensive line, Joe Shane made a big uh, you know, statement, I guess, saying that we needed to beef up the defensive line. We didn't have enough uh, enough depth on that side of the ball. Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence were playing 90-plus percent of the snaps last season in pretty much all the games. Uh, they decide to, uh, they signed uh, Nacho from the Buccaneers, or where he was last season, to a three-year deal. A lot of people were surprised about that. Um, you know, They want to get more and more depth on that defensive line. Not necessarily for the Giants here, but this is more of a general question. Jalen Carter, obviously there's the whole controversy, you know, legal ramifications. How far is he going to drop? How far do you think he is going to drop? I, I assume not to 25 all the way to the Giants. <laughs> no. No, I don't think he's going to get it all the way to 25. The, the, the Giants would probably love that if he did. You can. I mean, there. yeah, at this point in time, you can certainly hope. I won't rule anything out, but... I do think that he's probably still going to be a back end of the top 10 kind of a player. Um, 
you know, when Laramie Tunsil, the incident that happened with him, with the video coming out on draft night, it was a lot less time to evaluate things. I think he went 13th, uh, and he was supposed to go basically within the top three. And I think the reason why he fell even further outside of the top 10 is because people just didn't know what there wasn't enough time to figure out what happened, what was going on. There's a lot of time to figure out what's going on with Jalen Carter. And um, I'm not saying that that means for sure he's going to be a top 10 guy, but it just feels like it it doesn't feel like his stock is tanking to the point where he's going to be picked in the 20s at the back half of the first round. As of right now, I would still tell you he's probably going to be a back end of the top 10 kind of a guy. I don't think there's no way he gets past the Eagles at 10. I'll just tell you that. How he loves those defensive linemen. Never would let him pass. Yeah. And then I got one guard I wanted to talk about. Uh, We don't have to go through the whole position, but I I think, you know, I'm going with Osiris Torrance here. Uh, Is is there a chance, obviously, besides, like, the ideal height and weight that you want uh, over, you know, I think he's six foot five and over, like, 330 pounds. It's just, like, a perfect size guard that you want. Is there a chance he falls 25? Is that possible? Because actually, I, I saw that more earlier in the offseason, like the January, February months. And now, as we move closer, I see him going in the teens. So is that still a possibility for the Giants? I always felt like Osiris Torrance's range was anywhere from the middle of the first round to the end of the first round to the early parts of the second round. Like He, he has a large range just because you don't know, you don't know how teams are going to prioritize interior offensive linemen. I mean, Osiris Torrance, if you're a running team, if you want to stay really balanced and if you're still prioritizing the run game, this guy's a people mover, man. I mean, like, he was unbelievable when he was at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, he was he was phenomenal. He was one of the best offensive linemen in his only season with the Florida Gators his past year in the SEC. So he's proven that it doesn't matter what the competition level is. He's up for it. He's big. He's strong. And, and he's just one of the best interior guards that you're going to get in this entire class. So he... he I don't know if he's for sure going to be the first interior offensive lineman on the board because I do think John Michael Schmitz is gaining a lot of steam. Joe Tim is gaining a lot of steam as well. But he's in that conversation. So to answer your question, yes, there is definitely a reality where he could potentially make it to number 25 if the Giants want to take that there. And like I said, offensive line, it's not, I mean, center, literally the the position we need because we have zero centers on the roster. Uh, but definitely guard as well uh, is definitely a position of need for the Giants too. Okay, so my final question for you, uh, yourself and Connor Rogers, your co-host on the NFL Shock Exchange podcast. You guys have a lot of experience doing the mock drafts, looking at mock drafts. So uh, I'm going to leave it to the expert here as your best option, or you can give options uh, for the Giants at 25. Who do you think they end up with? So I actually just did an article about this in Perfect Player Matches. And the one that I landed on that I like the most is Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, simply because, I mean, he's he's – so versatile in what he does. I think he can certainly play both safety spots for you. Um, you probably don't want him living at free safety, but you, we know he's a phenomenal nickel defender. That's what he played uh, this past year a lot for the Alabama Crimson Tide defense. And, you know, with them losing Julian Love, Love was very versatile for what they did. He played most of his snaps at free safety, but he still played in the box plenty. He played uh, he played in the slot, almost two earned snaps in the slot. So you don't just get to replace that versatility with anybody. And I think if they have a chance to take Brad brian branch that would be a that would be a really good choice for them so he's somebody that i've had my eye on for them wide receiver i i I, you know if quentin johnston makes to 25 i think about that i think that that's something i consistently go towards as well but man i think those are the two that really stand out to me as i'm kind of scrolling the big board now 
especially for the moves that they made in free agency, a lot of that roster is well-rounded. Not that it's as good as it can be yet, but it feels very well-rounded. And then I guess I will throw in a guy that we've already talked about plenty. Uh, the last mock draft that Connor and I did with just the two of us, it was Connor who selected John Michael Schmitz for them at 25. So those seem to be the three players, either Quinn Johnson, Brian Branch, or John Michael Schmitz, who recently we've really been gravitating towards with that number 25 pick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's different from last year when we were at 5-7 and seven last year. There's a limited amount of players that you kind of consider. You know, we were talking about, what was it last year? It was Neil Laquanu, a little bit of Charles Cross, and then from the edge rusher guys, we had Trayvon Walker, you know, uh, Thibodeau, obviously, we ended up selecting. Uh, Hutchinson, not that anyone thought he would fall that far. This year, you know, you're at 25. You really don't know, you know, what's going to happen, who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. There's always a surprise guy who falls. There's always a guy, you know, who's taken earlier than expected. So I feel like it's it's tough to predict it. Uh, you know, I feel like Josh gave you a tough question there. Um, but, you know, I think it might not be a position that the Giants necessarily might think is one of their top needs. It might not be a wide receiver or an offensive lineman or, you know, cornerback, which a lot of people have been talking about that cornerback number two position for the Giants. I think, you know, a safety or even a defensive lineman, uh, you know, who falls an edge rusher, even though they kind of got those two guys there, um, you know, in Thibodeau and Ojolari, I feel like there's a lot of flexibility. And I think the Giants will probably go best player available on their board. Not, you know, kind of not looking as much into need as they might have, you know, last year or in previous years. And I think that that's what they did in free agency. They gave themselves that flexibility. And I, th- I love the the mindset that Joe Shane has towards the draft of, of not only best player available, but also the players who are just going to give you the most return on investment. And that's what the NFL draft is all about. And that's why you prioritize the premium positions the way they did last year. And I expect them to do the same moving forward. I really do. NFL and NFL Draft, uh, content creator for PFF, co-host of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. Trevor, thank you so much again for joining us on the podcast this offseason. We really appreciate your help and your draft expertise, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. I'll see you next year, I hope. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.